Hey everybody, welcome to the Cast. We're an interview podcast where we talk to people for and or from the Midwest. We are presented by Jolly Good Soda. Here's today's episode. Hey everybody, how we doing? Welcome uh, back to another episode of the Cast. Holy smokes, it's hot out there. Jeez Louise. Did I say that last week, Colleen? Did I talk about how hot it was? I think probably. probably it's... And then I probably say, it's not the heat, it's the humidity. Yeah. Good joke, Charlie. Good joke. The dog days of summer will get oh, to you. Oh, man, you're a little hot on the mic. <laughs> you're, just... You are. You're. You're. Uh, that must be a different microphone. That is hotter. Wait, let me turn you down. This bit. is literally... This is not me... This is not me uh, turning down... Um... Women's voices across America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Hang on. Keep talking now. Hello, 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 hello. Okay, there we go. I think that's a little better. I'm going to turn me up I'm a like little muted. bit. I'm like muted. It's like you can't yeah. <laughs> barely hear me. No, I'm, I'm just trying to... I have a naturally loud cadence. I know. it's. Huh? No, it's good. <laughs> it's good. There was this one time... Uh, by the way, we will get to our guest in a moment. Very good friend of mine, Jim Burke. He is a uh, Oscar Award winner and uh, a Minnesotan. Unfortunately, he's a Vikings fan. We won't hold that against Jim, um, but uh, we'll get to that in Skull just Vikes. a second. What's that? Skull Vikes. Skull. No, you're a Vikings fan too. No, I'm just from Minnesota, so I just. You're not a Vikings fan. No, I'm. You know what Skull means? No, what does it mean? So keep on losing. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, if he's listening to this, has already already turned turned yeah. it off. Oh yeah. well. Sorry, Jim, I had to. Uh but anyway, uh yeah, I just wanted to give a quick start. Colleen likes to do this thing where she does sort of tongue in cheek um things to to me, like yeah, about the about the women thing. <laughs> and we were out at a we were out oh at Oh my god. We were out at a bar. <laughs> In Milwaukee. Is this tying in my loud voice as well? Well, you brought it up. <laughs> and she's kidding around. And because sometimes, you know, it's like a sexist thing to tell women to smile more. <laughs> I forgot about this. It's a sexist thing. <laughs> and, and I'm smiley like most of the time. First of all, I've never told you to smile no, more. No, you've never told I, me I that. I just want to establish no, this for the story. I will put this on the record. So then... um we're at this bar and I don't know, I made a joke or something. I forget what it was. And then you were like, yeah. And remember when you told me to smile more, <laughs> like you were saying it like, I don't know you were saying it facetiously, but yeah. you, you scream that to the bar and I'm looking around. I'm like, Golly. <laughs> I was going to say what time, because I feel like I've done this to you multiple yeah. times. We had, yeah. Because sometimes when I go to a bar in Milwaukee, that's, there's a lot of fan base there. And, and so some people were looking at us as we walked in uh we were with the whole cripes Inc. crew or whatever at the time yeah and uh yeah and then you scream that and i was like oh my god this Did is I how i'm getting that? this is how i'm getting canceled <laughs> i just Did said you it, scream it you said it loud. i said it loud you for dramatic it. and comedic effect yeah and it was funny it was funny but, but then, situationally i was like oh, from gosh. the outside looking in it probably would have been it probably not yeah. the best it's pretty funny though anywho Anyway, we can cut that out of the intro. Um, so anyway, today's episode is cool. So just a backstory, Colleen, you're kind of like in your very um, sort of post-college time of your life. And when I was in my post-college time in my life, I um, 
I went out to Los Angeles. I didn't have like a job. It was the recession. That, that's how old I am. Mm. Um, didn't have a ton of money. Uh, so I was really like, I got to find a job. I took whatever money I did have. I bought a um, flight out to Los Angeles to just kind of meet with anybody I could, anybody I could. And a very good um, friend of my family, Ted Nowak, uh, good dude, played basketball with him. He was a, he's, he's super nice. I met him. He's he, come to the house. Yeah, before. he's come over yeah. here. He he was a pro, uh, he played pro pro ball in Europe. He played. He's a uh, a, a Johnny, I think. Oh, up in you know the Tommies and the Tommies. Johnnies Team up Tommy. there in the Twin Cities, St. John's. Anyway, big basketball player. I played with him uh, with my dad because and my dad are are friends, and we played basketball kind of growing up at the St. Joe's at the gym league. You know the the old man's league. They would go get a lot of as much exercise as they could, and then put all the calories back on and beer at the bar after. So anyway, that's how I know Ted, and um, and he is friends with Jim Burke. So. Um, you know, when I was going out to LA to set up meetings, long story short, I got to meet up with, um, Jim, which was very kind of him. And, um, and I went to his place to meet up with him and I, I tell this story a little bit in the podcast, but I'm not sure how much detail I went into, but clearly I listened to my podcast <laughs> back <laughs> and, um, and one of the best pieces of advice he gave me, he didn't, you know, give me a job right away. First of all, he, he wanted me to, uh, we had a phone call first and he wanted me to tell him what my favorite movie was and why, you know, he wanted me to write that out. So then when I went out to Los Angeles, he met up with me and, um, or I'm, I went to his place and he gave me some good pieces of advice that I still think of. He said, be pleasantly persistent. You know, if you're trying to get a job with someone, don't, don't annoy them, you know, always mm -hmm. have, you know, a smile on your face when you're approaching them. Uh, but, but be persistent because people, you know, in whatever industry get busy. And so, um, don't take a no or a non-answer as a, don't take a non-answer uh, as a no, mm. just maybe a not yet. And then just keep in touch and, and, you know, keep connecting with people. So, and I did, I did that with, um, Jim and he was, uh, gracious enough to uh give me a shot and he let me be a pa on the film cedar rapids which is where i met um phil johnston the first cripes cast guest first cripes cast guest yeah and uh phil's been a great uh, mentor to me as well as it has jim so it's cool to have him on he's a, a very successful um uh producer um has a, a great career, a great story. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Oscar winner. And uh, also just a great friend. When I was doing a show in Hawaii a couple months ago um, where we did this interview, uh, you know, Jim let me stay at his place and let me borrow his car. And uh, I think I, I told the story about losing the keys, yep. didn't I? Ah, I'm such an idiot. Yeah, you talked about it in the intro that you shot in Hawaii and then also in this interview you guys talked about how yeah you <laughs> i'm such a moron no it's okay oh man it, it would have been such have a, a cool set, snorkeling right? you know uh, I mean? trip <laughs> uh, yeah no and and i i yeah i i told jim uh and i was like ah he's gonna be so pissed but he's just like okay well let's see what we got here and i yeah. was like oh thanks <laughs> uh, yeah it, it's like that's uh that's a whole bit though like a midwest nice 
nightmare. A Midwest nice mare is when <laughs> you're a guest in someone's home, but you, 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 you know, you, you have nothing to offer of substance. You Not know? even that. It's you're, like the Midwest nice, nice mare. It could even be like a Midwest nice person responding to like really annoying things. Well, that was Jim. Yeah. on that trip yeah <laughs> but it was oh, a nightmare for me because mi- yeah. it, because i could not i could not provide anything you know gotcha. if you lose the one key to the car yeah it, it's you know it's yeah. just a pain in the ass for everyone involved oh, and then mean. uh then it's like it's i put inconvenience to him the people i was with i inconvenience them giving me a a ride back to his place and then back out. Anyway, yeah. I don't need to recount this story, but it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, what else uh, we got going on? Oh, Patreon. Woohoo. What's the deal with it, Kelly? It you, is... You've done a great job setting it up and <laughs> taking the lead on that, and I'll let you explain it here. So Patreon, we just launched it today With by the time this podcast comes out. Um, if you want to become a monthly member, you just pay five bucks a month at patreon.com slash Charlie Barons. And that will give you access to exclusive content that will not be anywhere else. We're still going to be switching it around, figuring out what people like, especially in this next first month. But what we're planning on doing is bonus episodes on topics that aren't covered in interviews. So say one of our intros is going kind of long. Always, <laughs> like this one. We can always cut specific things out and put it there. Um, we have deleted scenes and cuts from shoots. So we have some deleted scenes from the most recent video that we put up. And then stuff around Cripe saying that wouldn't necessarily make it to your channels otherwise yeah. and regular q a's so hopefully potentially live q a's with patreon members yeah we, we uh, i you should put some of your uh tiktoks up there with you and bridget <laughs> bridget and i no bridget my well, sister the the also the internet cripe sink and these two just my literal lifeline i love her but um yeah, we could. We have a lot of random things that we kind of shoot around the house that I think could potentially make it onto there. We're just going to have a bunch of like behind the scenes stuff for people that want to see what's going on. Cripes cast, Charlie Barron's been talking about like all the different stuff. Yeah, so. and we'll also put um, shows up as soon as they get released. Um, yep. Kind of a, a pre release type thing. So you yeah. get shows early. Speaking of shows, we got some upcoming shows. We got uh, Wisconsin State Fair next week and. Um, very excited for that show. Then Ohio, Cincinnati, uh, Sylvania, both of those are Ohio dates. We go to Michigan. Uh, we're playing Lexington there. Then Iowa, Sioux City, Davenport, Dubuque. A uh, bunch of Illinois dates in September. And uh, you can head on over to Cripescast.com. Check them out. Yep. Uh, anything else uh, we missed here, Colleen? No, I think we should just get to the Let's show. Let's get to the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Here is my interview with Jim Burke. So we're we're doing it. That's it. It's nice. Cripes podcast. Cripes the Cripes cast. Cripes cast. You know who uh, came up with? Uh, I was debating between calling it the Keeper Moving Podcast. Phil Johnson. You re- you listen to the podcast? That's the one I listen to. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool though. He is this the is are we doing? Yeah, this we're starting. Time? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know. Uh, nobody says like, action or anything. No. So yeah, he I listened to that and he was a big fan of Cripes versus Keeper Moving. Yeah. 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 And so uh you know, you gotta go with Phil. Yeah. We gotta go with PJ. So speaking of which since since Phil is sort of the reason that we met, um I would disagree with that. <laughs> Teddy oh, well, Nowak I guess was Teddy the reason. Nowak. Yeah, it was the reason. Well, we let met. me. Yeah, yeah, let me take that back. 
the reason I met Phil is because of you. You introduced yeah. me to Phil. The reason I met you was because of Teddy. Right. Yeah. Well, absolutely. This yeah. whole thing has to start with Ted Nowak, which Starts of course- the red rifle. <laughs> the big tree, the rusty trombone. Yeah. <laughs> Ted yeah. Nowak, so that, let's take it back to that. I used to play basketball with my dad mm-hmm. at, the, at St. Joe's in Wauwatosa. Ted Nowak was uh, playing ball, an yeah. aggressive ball player. He was the star of Tosa West was in he? high school. See, I didn't realize yeah, he yeah, was a Tosa yeah. West guy. Little Teddy Nowak facts. Wow. Fun facts, yeah. That's, yeah. I learn something new every time I do the, the, the Cripes cast. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I think it was my dad's 50th birthday, and I was shooting a video of something or whatever. And then I think from that, he said that he knew you, and I was in a position where I did not have a job. I was graduating and I was doing, trying, I was casting my lines. Yeah. And, uh, and you wanted to go into showbiz. I wanted to go into showbiz. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, so I flew out to LA for a thing that didn't end up happening, mm-hmm. uh, an interview of some sort, but then Ted set me up with a meeting with you. Yeah. And so I went into your, um, Santa Monica office Fifth in Santa Monica. Fifth in yeah. Santa Monica. It was above something. And then I... Uh, actually, first, though, we had a phone call. You remember well, that? Well, because Teddy called me and he said, Berkey, I met a guy. He's the young Jim Burke. <laughs> and uh, he wants to get a job and he'll work, you know, for cheap and just on a movie. And... Uh, you know, he didn't know this, but he had me at, he's the young Jim Burke, you know, that's all I need to hear. And uh, so, yeah, we talked and we met, and then you became a PA on Cedar Rapids, a yeah. movie we were about to shoot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, but were there in those early times that we met, there was a lot of good advice that I think you gave right out the gate. You were hot out the gate with some advice. Yeah, yeah. First piece of advice that... I recall is uh, be pleasantly persistent. Right. Yeah. Which, what did you mean by that? I mean that a lot of people say, oh, I don't want them to think that I'm stalking him. Mm -hmm. And I say to them, well, just change the way you think about it. You're not stalking them. You're just being pleasantly persistent. You're giving them an opportunity to hire somebody who could be fantastic. And Mm -hmm. that would be you. Yeah. Yeah. And like when it comes to someone, like let's say someone listening is trying to get into the uh, film industry or something, how would you go about telling them to kind of do, let's say they made a connection, you Mm -hmm. know, and how would you be pleasantly persistent with them in a way that's effective? So I would continue to write them emails or texts and call them every so often, but just keep in their consciousness because... My plan, my strategy as a producer was, because I'm always trying to you know, chase after things, is I want to call them so many times that it's easier for them to just pick up the phone and talk to me than have to deal with any kind of guilt or angst about another unreturned phone call to Jim Burke. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know I got to get into my pitch fast and I got to get her done, you know? Yeah. So that was when I was starting, that's what I, 
that was my uh, method. Yeah, and, let's yeah. let's let's kind of take it back to those early days. So yeah. uh, you're born and raised Minnesota, Edina, yeah, Edina, Edina Minnesota, cake eater, yeah, a cake eater. Yeah, you just you you. It, what, where does cake eater come from? I don't know, uh, but it was meant to be a slur, but we all sort of adopted it as something that we thought was great, you know, because yeah. we were winning, you know, in hockey and other sports. You know, they think of people from, you know, the rest of the state of Minnesota think that people from Edina are privileged or they're, you know, richer or something like that, which is Partly true, but not completely true. Yeah. 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 So, so, so cake eater though is, is Minnesota people? Yeah. Yeah. Is, we, is it, they or, all call us cake eaters. Cake and, eater. and I think they do too. And I think that, that, um, you know, a friend of mine, Steve Brill, wrote a movie called The Mighty Ducks. And he even so used that. And that in is, yeah. That yeah. is the first time I remember hearing cake eater and i think this is actually important so i'm gonna a cake eater is a slang term used to refer to people who are very rich yeah it is a term that's usually meant as an insult because the people who are called cake eaters are thought to be very self-entitled and think that because they are rich they can do anything they want yeah but so it must have been but we didn't we those of us who lived in edina didn't it didn't bother us that, that you called us cake eaters got it <laughs> got yeah. it Cake eaters are rich folks in Minnesota who can have their cake and eat it too. Okay. Yeah. So that's so that's, it says in Minnesota. Well, in this is yeah. a bar yeah. stool thing yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. and I do think Mighty Ducks is the one that popularized no, it. But it, it was in existence before the Mighty Ducks. Okay. So yeah. in yeah. Minnesota, because when, when I was in high school, which predated the Mighty Ducks, we were still called the Cake Eaters. So, yeah. But, but that would have been like an Edina thing, a suburb. Yeah. It's always directed at the people from Edina. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's. It, I feel like that's. Um, kind of shows the uh the magic of films and kind of how they can transcend because it so it starts off its origin is rich people from the suburbs of minnesota and now it's just anyone from minnesota cake eater no i don't think so i think it's like the rich part of minnesota you know yeah. i don't know i don't know I, I i'm not that fluent on mighty ducks well trivia. No, but i'm saying <laughs> like when i go to a show or something and i ask the audience like where are you from it's happened on more than one occasion where they'll say i'm from minnesota and then and then they'll offer up their cake eater well that means they're from edina oh does it yeah see i this is good yeah. <laughs> this is good <laughs> Uh, Every day I need attention. That's what he dynamite. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. What, what was the childhood like? It was. Yeah, I thought. I think you know. It was idyllic. You know, I was swimming a lot, and and um, family of six kids, and so it, it. And we were a wild, sort of out of control group of people, and yeah. um, kind of like what you described when you, you know we would all sit in the same pew at church and yeah. you know and my dad would be like calm him down or you know to we were you know naughty <laughs> catholic naughty different yeah, catholic kind of naughty. naughty yeah, yeah different kind of naughty yeah. you know we weren't really bad you know we weren't thugs or anything like that but yeah. we were doing some stuff yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah what, what and you being the oldest yeah um were you uh the worst of them or did it were you the best of them worst at hiding it i was the worst at hiding it 
I was, because I was the oldest, my parents were not experienced parents and they were, but let me put it this way. I was the first person my mom or dad ever met to do drugs. Really? They never knew. I, I got caught smoking pot when I was in ninth grade. And prior to that, they had never even met anybody who wow. did. Wow. Yeah. And it was wow. me. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't go over too well. Yeah. <laughs> but let me put it to you this way. I was on a, I had long hair in those days, and I was in the barbershop the next day getting a crew cut. <laughs> and I was went shipped off to St. Thomas Military Academy oh, the following Monday. So, yeah. Were you really? Yeah, big time. Yeah, wow. Yeah, how, was, long, how long was was your stint at the military? It was only, Academy. you know, about a year. Okay. But um, did it straighten you out? Uh, no, it, it, it didn't have the desired effect. And so my parents <laughs> were like, why are we paying all this money? And uh, if he's going to get worse, not better. So, yeah. When yeah. did you have your first uh, inclination to do film? Um, so uh, there's two parts. So I worked in movie theater when I was in high school. Which one? It's called the Yorktown Still Twins. There. It is not there anymore. But we would play films for, you know, they, in those days, movies would play for 10, 12, 14 weeks. And I would watch the same movie over and over again, you know, or I'd go in, I'd go, oh, I want to go in the part when this happens. And I kind of time it out and I go in and watch the scene again. And then um, I, when I was in college, um, I really had no idea what I would do for my career. I thought maybe I'd be a stockbroker. Mm -hmm. And um, I I was watching TV one morning, um, and on KSCP they said, the family feud is coming to the Twin Cities. Call this number and get your family an audition. So I called over and over and over again. Those are the days of like busy signals yeah, yeah. and stuff. I, I finally got through. And I signed my family up and I then called back home because um, I was living downtown at the University of Minnesota and I said, okay, I need a family meeting tonight. I've got an important announcement to make. So everybody got around the kitchen table and I said, we are going to be on the family feud or we're going to audition for the family feud. And, you know, my dad didn't, wasn't sure what that was. And, but at that time it was probably the most watched television show on TV. Wow. Cause it was on, in, it's like the wheel of fortune time or yeah. jeopardy time. But in those days there was only like four channels or three channels and you had to watch one of those. There was not really cable widespread and everybody was watching. It was a monster hit. And the, the, the host was this guy, Richard Dawson. Anyway, we go down, we pick a team, there are eight of us, but we picked five, and we went down and we auditioned. Wait, 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 you picked five from your family? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Because so <laughs> one, okay, it, it, it was pretty easy. Um, it was pretty easy. Who'd we, you pick? My dad. Yeah. Uh, he was number one. I was number two. My brother Tommy was number three. My sister Sheila was four. And my sister Annie was five. So um, my sister Katie didn't play. My younger brother Pat was ch probably too little to play. Uh -huh. And my mom didn't want to. Got you it. Know? So, um, so we went down and auditioned. We got dressed up in a coat and a tie and stuff. And we went down. And the audition process is just like, okay, we're going to pretend to play Family Feud. And the way Family Feud is, is you're asked a question, 
and you're trying to answer the most popular answer, what you think most people would answer that yeah. question. So we went down there and we were awful. We failed completely, <laughs> but we did so in a really entertaining way, yeah. you know? And so they called us a couple of days later. They said, you know, there are 500 families and you are one of five families that we've picked. So be ready. We'll call you with a little notice and we'll fly you out to Los Angeles and you can play the feud. Wow. So we did. And so I said, and I was all about the money. I was putting myself through college. I, I said, listen, we got to win because it's <laughs> 10 grand and it's 2000 bucks a piece. And, and, um, I needed that money yeah. big time. Yeah. Yeah. So I got from my friend of home game of family feud. And I tried to arrange for a practice session because I knew we weren't very good. Right. And nobody could do it. They don't want to do it. And you're not the boss of me <laughs> and stuff like that. And so I said, okay, well, to, I said to myself, we'll do it on the airplane on the flight out. And that just didn't work out. My, they were too raucous. And, you know, and at that time we had not a lot of experience flying together as a family. I mean, I'm not sure maybe we did it once before, yeah. but you know, free seven up and peanuts, all that kind of stuff <laughs> uh, was just too much for them to all handle. I said, okay, well, when we get to the hotel, we're doing it. And we get to the hotel and the lady checking us in goes, okay, here's your rooms and stuff like that. And by the way, we have a pool on the, the roof <laughs> They all go, woohoo, and they jump in the pool and they spend the rest of the time in the pool. <laughs> and my dad's like, I can't control these kids. And um, so we went in there cold and um, we go there. And, uh, and when I get there, I'm like, it's these big sound stages. You've seen them, Charlie. And I'd never seen any of this stuff before. And there's people driving around in golf carts with walkie talkies and clipboards and they're not dressed up, they're dressed casually, but it's their job. You go into this big set, and it was just like amazing to me to see all of this. And I'd never seen anything like it. And I began to think, this could be the place I land. I would like to do this for a job, rather than you know sell stocks or insurance or something like that. And um, so we go in, get ready, get a little nervous in the green room, and they announce us and we go on TV and we play the game and we are horrible, horrible. <laughs> um, and um, to make matters worse, the worst of our entire team was me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. So you weren't even practicing the game well, yourself? I, I just got stage fright, oh, you know, really? and... Um, so at, at one point you're all individually go up to the front of the stage and you have to press the buzzer first. And my uh, question was, name a suit you wouldn't wear to the office. And I slam on the button and they, you know, focus on my face and I go clown suit. And then the host Richard Dawson starts mocking me and, <laughs> and uh, they, there's no clown suits up there. And uh, they put a big X over my face, you know, <laughs> and um, so we lose and we all go home in with our heads hung low and in shame. And this is the first time we really kind of came together as a family. We said, 
we tell no one about this. No one can see this. And um, so we all gather together on the night it airs and we're watching it. And, our, you know, the, the family's phone landline starts ringing right at 630. Oh it's just when it goes and it doesn't stop till 10. You're on TV. We know, we know. You know, oh, that's so hilarious. Da, 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 da. And um, so the next day I go back to the U, the University of Minnesota, and you know, I'm walking through Dinky Town and people are driving by that know me and they go, hey, Berkey, clown suit. You know, so I'm like the, the I'm being mocked. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but nevertheless, somehow, and then to put a little cap on this story is we were so bad, we were good. Okay. And, um, and they came up with this excuse. Well, there was a discrepancy. The discrepancy, there was a discrepancy, but the other team answered a question right that they, you know, crossed off as wrong. So it was actually in our favor. But we want to invite you back because we were hilarious and um, bubbly. My sisters were a little bubbly. And, and um, so we went back out, and the next time we won. Wow. Yeah, we won, we won the money. And um, did you get them to do practice sessions the second time around? We the, yes, and the 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 experience of being on the show was invaluable. Yeah, you know, because you're just not like frozen and right, uh, right. You know, um, you got to remember this is like 1982. So well, the the average kid nowadays is not afraid of being on a camera and stuff like that. But in those days, that just didn't happen. Yeah, it's you know? terrifying. Yeah, so. We won and we got the money. And uh, but in the meantime, I started to think maybe I could just get. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do. Maybe I could have a career in showbiz. Why not? So I made that decision that that's what I was going to do. And so after I graduated, which is like just a few months later, I drove out to L.A. and I didn't know a single person in Los Angeles. What'd you drive out in this very important? Pinto. Pinto, Pinto station wagon. With oh, the, wow. It had faux wood grain Did on it? there. Yeah, it kind that's, of peeled off. Some of it was peeling off. That's yeah. classic. Well, that that L.A. sun will do it. That mm -hmm. all, it, it exasperated It happened too. before I got to L.A. It was okay, like, that's just I, pure I Midwest like winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I drove out there and um, my grandma and grandpa had some friends and they allowed me to stay in their basement. And I did that until, and I found a job like lickety split. You know, I got, I, I found a job right away. What job was that? I was a, what's called a satellite jockey where it was a great job. I worked all night long from 11 to 7 and I would watch six different TV monitors up there and I would say, come, come down London, come up Atlanta. You know, I'd, I'd be the air traffic controller of satellite transponders, they're called. Uh -huh. So, game, you know, news feeds, raw news feed, footage would be fil you know, sent to, back to, you know, whatever the news desk was. Or in some cases, we had a lot of sporting events, baseball games and whatnot, basketball games. And I would have to make sure that the user of the transponder got off so that the next user could get on and um it was i felt as though i'd arrived because i'd see people like dan rather go start swearing back to his producers back and get me on the fucking air <laughs> you know um and i, I was like wow 
You got to see all the raw stuff. All the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. What's the weirdest thing you saw? Well, I, probably the... Well, I saw the Challenger blow up. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, but I did see Dan Rather losing it because there was a U.S. Open tennis final that bled into his newscast. Ah, uh. And he was on location someplace, a hurricane or something like that. And he was demanding that the network cut out of the final of the U.S. Open and onto his newscast. And wow. Did they do it? No. Right. <laughs> um, but he was not happy, and he, he kept getting more and more unhappy about it. Yeah. And then uh, this was before you had a cell phone where you could video that and then no, you could, blow there weren't them up cell phones on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, none of that stuff happened before the day. Yeah, so, so yeah, that I saw all that and I was amazed by it all. But I was also introduced to a business that I didn't know anything about. Don't forget, I'm like a rube. You know, I'm, yeah. I just fell off a turnip truck from Minnesota, so I didn't know anything. But I thought I'm going to do this, and so I learned about this business because one of the things we did is we. We, um, uh, tra we tra what is it called? We sent out the show Entertainment Tonight, which was mm -hmm. uh, called a day and date show um, to and a syndicated show to various television stations around the country. Yeah. You know, so it couldn't be sent out on tape. It had to be sent out sort of live. And um, that was a syndicated show. So I learned a lot about the syndication business and... Um, because they were a big part of our customer base. And I thought, that'd be a business I'd like to go into. You know, mm -hmm. I'd like to learn about that. And plus, I heard those guys made a lot of money. A ton of money. ton yeah. of money. Yeah. yeah. And that was very attractive to me. <laughs> so um, for a year or so, I tried knocking on every door and uh, being pleasantly persistent. And, and finally, I got a job at uh, this company called Lorimar. And he wasn't going to hire me, but I said, listen, I'll make you a deal. I'll take the job at whatever the low salary that they're going to offer. But in one year, you have to either double my salary or fire me. And he loved that sort of on-the-spot deal-making kind because of, that's what you need to do, make deals. He loved yeah. that kind of deal-making technique and faith in myself. And uh, he gave me the job. That's an ambitious thing to do. To, to kind of say though, for uh, I'm thinking about that from my perspective. Yeah. Because uh, I, you know, did a similar thing, go out, and I don't think I would have, you know, said something like that. So, yeah. what, what do you think that is inside of you that, that made that deal? Well, right I there? made the deal because I knew I believed in myself. Yeah. And I always have, you know, and um, that's the thing about me. I, I, I that's the, the sort of, uh, difference in me and many other people i don't really doubt myself too much yeah uh, um so i i just knew i could make it work and yeah. um despite the fact that during that year there were times that i didn't think i could make it work and, yeah and so what did you do over the course of that year that made it work so i i went out and well i'll tell you i went um he called me in about five months into the job, and I was selling, you know, selling a TV show like Dallas, and you know, crappy stuff. There were yeah. hits on the network, but they don't repeat. And he goes, "So tell me, what what are you going to do? What, what do you think your plans are for your career?" I go, "What do you mean? I, I plan on doing this. You know, this is what I want to do." He goes, "Yeah, 
you're not really good at this. Um, so you got to come up with another plan. <laughs> and it shook me. Yeah. Because um, I knew they were sending me to the crappiest markets, the littlest towns, you know, yeah. where there was maybe only one or two TV stations and try to get me to sell a show that doesn't work and um or shows that don't work and they know they don't work but they can still try to sell them so i i went across the street and i fell to my which and i walked into a church i fell to my knees a lit a candle and um i just said you know help because i i really only pray when my back is to the wall so, <laughs> which is a character defect, I know, but 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 I that's who I am too. So my back was I lit a candle, and then I flew up to Boise, Idaho, which was one of the bigger markets I had, and I sold a ton of crap. I just backed the truck up, as we say, I sold made for TV movies and stuff like that. And but when I was walking out, I looked up at the name of the church, and it was called Saint Augustine's. And my mom was, who was a devout Catholic, was always telling me, Jimmy, you're my little Saint Augustine. And Saint Augustine was a great saint, but um, he was the son of Saint Monica. And he um, would go out at night and he'd come home two or three in the morning, he'd fall down to his knees alongside his bed and he'd say, dear Lord, please save me, but not just yet. <laughs> <laughs> She always thought my day would be coming. And um, so anyway, so she called me Little St. Augustine. And that's the church I went to. And oh, wow. Anyway, and then everything changed right there. I mean, it had a little, the, the, the Bunsen burner got turned up under my cheeks and I went wild. And That um, little bit of uh, momentum. Yeah, it pushed me. Yeah, it pushed me. So Anyway, I did that for a long time. I did that for, and then we were shortly thereafter bought by Warner Brothers. The guy I worked with was pushed out. Okay. And so I went to his replacement. I said, hey, I made a deal with Pat. And I, and, and, uh, he said after, I said after a year, he's going to double my salary or fire me. So it's been a year. And um, you know, I'm hoping you'll honor that deal. And they did not honor the deal, but sure. they gave me a little, you know, a little kiss on the cheek, a little, yeah. a little bump, <laughs> a little bump a for your your working boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but then shortly after, I just moved on up the ladder, and, and then, um, and I became the expert at Warner's of of our film library. Uh, yes. This is going really long. No, right? not yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sometimes I check this just yeah. so you know because I'm. A little paranoid so sometimes i make sure it's still recording yeah and recording there because yeah um this may surprise you given the fact that i lost uh your car key in the ocean yesterday yeah but i'm not always the most detailed attentive to, attentive to details <laughs> yeah. i'm not the most detailed to attention yeah, so yeah. um so no actually i do that a lot when the interview's going well because okay. i'm like yeah i'm like uh When's this oh, guy going to shut up? No, yeah, not yeah, at all. Yeah. No, I really, I really enjoy these like early days yeah. uh, things. It's it's kind of the most yeah. um, origin stories. Oh, yeah. your yeah. origin yeah. story. Yeah. This is your uh, your yeah. Logan. Yeah, you know that's it, right. Yeah. So 
So anyway, I I, be, I become the film expert in the, the vast, vast Warner library of films. I watched every film that Warner ever made and all the libraries we aco- we acquired. You watch every, you would every go one, home at every night Every single one, yeah. yeah. And um, I thought to myself, most of these movies suck yeah. and I could make way better movies than these. And I'd be on planes all the time reading, you know, flying to different cities and stuff. And so I'd be, re- I'd try to get my hands on scripts mm-hmm. and read them and try to teach myself how to make movies. And, um, and I even tried calling across the lot, the Warner lot to the head of the film production. And I said, Hey, I'm Jim Burke. I'm, VP of television syndication, I'd like to actually transfer over to film production. And How old were you at this point? Probably 29. Okay. Yeah. And uh, his assistant called back and they go, uh, yeah, he, he just wants to tell you, you're doing too good a job over there. You know, it's like the old brush off and uh, we need you there. You know, uh-huh. um, we don't need you here. Uh-huh. So, uh, but I was conspiring with another fellow I worked with at Warner's, and we both wanted to make films, and um, so we broke off. Okay, I mean, I had a contract and stuff, um, so he broke off like about nine months before me, and uh, then I joined him, and in order to fund our film ambitions, we got the rights to a television show called Saved by the Bell. I've heard of it. Yeah. And it became a monster hit, even though it was it was the only show ever that did better ratings in reruns than it did in first run. Really? And, yeah. And so Power we were syndication. Like, yeah, that was that's the only time it's ever happened. Probably ever will. Did yeah. you see it when when Saved by the Bell? Uh, so how did that work out? You you acquired the rights. Like, what, yeah, for what? free for no 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 money. We we got the rights to sell the show because it was a dog, and um. With it, we then went out and leveraged our own personal relationships with all these television stations around the country. We almost gave it to them. Yeah. And in, it was kind of like my deal with um, Lorimar where I d- half price now and double the price later. So uh, yeah, yeah. I would make deals like that with people. If it works, then you owe me big money. Yeah. And it worked, and it worked great. And uh, just yeah. just to clarify here, though, Saved by the Bell was on the air. It did its thing. So it was on Saturday mornings, and uh-huh. in those days, Saturday morning television was for cartoons. You know, the Bugs Bunny and Road Runner, the Duck D- Disney stuff, yeah. and. That's what kids would watch on Saturday morning. And they NBC couldn't compete, so they tried to make a live-action show, which was Saved by the Bell. But nobody watched it. They wanted to watch cartoons. Right. Um, and so there was a guy that created the show. He would, you know, needed to sort of come up with something, So he, and nobody was coming knocking on his door. So we said, we'll take it. We'll do our best in selling it. And it became it was a lucky break. It became a hit. Well, it's it's so you're because Saved by the Bell is I mean it's a cultural mm-hmm. thing even even now I mean they did the even now revamp and everything. Yeah, that's so right. to what did you see in it? Were you just was this like nothing. a stock? You were no just nothing. Like, we gotta it, do it, it, no, it was nothing. It was yeah. free to us. Yeah, and that was important because we didn't have any money. Yeah, and it was a way. To, if it kind of did okay, 
we could collect some of the money and then move it over and start making films, which is what we wanted to do. It was a means to an end. Got we didn't it. know it would make so much money. You could make a whole bunch of films, yeah. and, which is what happened. Yeah. Um, and so so that's what started funding. That's what started it. And, yeah. yeah. That's and crazy. Then we, and then we took all that money. We made four movies for HBO because in those days they were making films, a lot of them. And, um, and that's how I learned how to make a movie. You know, uh, you know, all the different parts of doing that. And then we were bought because the, we had a lot of revenue coming in. Mm -hmm. We were bought by a, a company that owned TV stations and cable systems and uh, newspapers called Cox, Cox Communications out of Atlanta. And they said, look, we want you guys to keep making movies because we have all these like ways of distributing them, but we don't have any of the what they called software. So they gave us 300 million bucks and then we were like the prettiest, you know, we were the, 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 uh, uh, most popular person in Hollywood for a while. Cause everybody's coming to us with, cause we, they knew we had a bunch of cash and we didn't know that much about what we were doing. What is <laughs> <laughs> So at this point, you're what? You're 30... So early 30s. Early yeah. 30s. Yeah. And, yeah. and what is it like? Um, did, did this feel like your big break? Because you, you drove out to LA in a Pinto, and yeah. now all of a sudden you got 300 million bucks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, did, did anything change in you mentally? Nothing. No. Nothing. Because don't forget, I was already the vice president of Warner Brothers. I would go to you know, places around the country, and I would show people my business card and said, Warner Brothers vice president. That was pretty big yeah. already. I gave that up, yeah, in order to do this. Yeah. And um, I could have ridden that pony all the way to the finish line right. and been fine. You know, been more than fine. So, so why didn't you at that point? It because I had to follow my own heart and intuition, and I knew that. You know, th there's a thing about me that's the good thing and the bad thing is that when I sort of try to almost master something, I become bored with it. Mm -hmm. I need to go try another, I need to climb another mountain. So um, when that happened with syndication, I, it wasn't a challenge to me anymore. It was sort of too easy. Yeah. 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 So so you you got 300 million bucks and what are you, because you don't know this business not yet. Not at all. Not really at much at all. So yeah. how'd you learn it on the fly? I learned it uh, day by day, day by day, seven days a week. It was, I was started to grind my teeth at night and things like that because the stress is enormous. And um, so in you're making movies and one right after another and uh, you're trying to keep them all together and put up all the, ver and any movie there's like multiple wildfires and you're trying to put them all out while going to the next one. And so. And it, for someone who doesn't understand producing and what yeah. that is what what does that entail uh specifically at this point in your career well at this point i was not yet a producer i was uh, an executive that was able to green light movies that producers and directors and writers would bring me so but when a problem like i remember barack obama says the only problem that comes to my desk are the ones that everybody below me can't solve mm -hmm. so 
that was where I was in that position without a large knowledge base, you know. So I'd have to just use my own logic and, and problem-solving ability. So I was dealing with producers, and I got to know which ones I thought were doing a good job and which ones I thought were not so good. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was, you know, as I say, I was dealing, you know, I think we made like seven movies a year for five years or more than that maybe. And, um, and then we'd have to not just make them, but then release them, and you'd hope they'd do well, and you'd hope people go out and see them, and... When they didn't, it was crushing, and when they did, it was amazing. But it was never when they the feeling, the crushing feeling of not having a success, was way more powerful than the the ebullience of having a success. You just it, it's better to avoid disasters i guess is what i'm saying that's because you don't really get the high you'd think you'd get i don't yeah when so yeah no i can i can relate when something crushes you're like well that's what it's supposed to do when it flops you're like you reassess everything in your life yeah you're like oh my god and everybody's kind of yelling at you you know for something it's not my fault yeah i'm the guy that gave you all the money yeah 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 (laughs) solved all your problems so you know, I did that for a while, right? For We did it for, I think, about seven years. Mm-hmm. And then I made a decision that I was making movies, uh, many of which for audiences that I was not a part of. You know, teen, we made a movie for the Olsen Twins. The Olsen Twins were hot. And uh, it did okay, but I, 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 don't, I was not a part of that audience. And I, I wanted to make movies for... People like me, people who liked film. And um, so I read a script by two now friends of mine, very close friends of mine, um, and it sort of changed me. I I, I said, this is the kind of stuff I want to make, just like this. And um, so that's what I did. I broke off and started to try to produce on myself, which is probably one of the most daring i mean i made many changes that people would advise me not to do Mm -hmm. and uh, but that was maybe the most daring because going out on your own um to produce movies is uh it's a lonely place and and it's uh, um so i but i did it and i made this movie with alexander payne and jim taylor called election which I still think holds up. It's, it's a, a really good movie. First yeah. movie of yours I'd, I'd ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and in, in it was my brother's favorite movie. He's like, yeah. you got to see it. And then I saw it. It was, it was awesome. Is this your brother, Andy? And my brother, Andy. Because he's a teacher. He's a teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He wasn't at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's, it's a great film. So yeah. so Election was the first. That was the first one. Yeah. I, it was, what, well, I mean, I made three movies, boom, 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 right in a row. There yeah. was Election. There was uh, um, Big Night, which was a Sundance kind of darling. It's also a great, great movie. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. And then there was a third movie called Two Days in the Valley, which mm-hmm. was Charlize Theron's first film and, and, and many other people. And so and the movie that this is the craziness about the film business is that the movie that not just me, but everybody th- 
else thought would probably do the best was Two Days in the Valley. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie, right? Mm-hmm. But of those three, it's the one that's least remembered. And um, so it's just nuts. The business is unpredictable and it, unfigureoutable. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think uh, bringing that even to today, you know, we, we make like uh, TikToks or whatever that are uh, reels, shorts, whatever you want to call it, a little sketch. And you're like, I know this will kill. I know this will be great. Yeah. And it flops. And then you throw out something else and you're like, you're not even happy about it necessarily, yeah. but you put it up because it's good enough and it like Blows takes up. off and you're like, I, I, I give up. Yeah. But you never know. And, you know, I don't know if this would happen in TikTok, but you never know that five years from now, the one that you made that flopped might become some somehow of a cult hit. Right. Kingpin's another movie like that. Yes. Which is, you know, it really was a dud when it came out. But people, I mean, to this day, go, like, you mean Kingpin? Yeah. You know, and I can kind of figure out who the person is, but they say, because the election Kingpin came around around the same time. And, uh, and, if they say oh, I loved election, then I know their sort of general taste in film. If they say I love Kingpin, I know also their general taste in film, and they're totally different. Yeah. <laughs> did did uh, on Kingpin uh, were you the one who got Bill Murray on board? No, the, the Bill Murray, Peter Farrelly was okay. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Got it. And we never knew he was coming until you know because Bill didn't have an agent or anything yeah. like that. You'd have to leave a message. That's got the, a that's message. the lore. What is, what what is the process of getting so Bill we leave a message and then eventually his lawyer calls back and says Bill will do it you know and then you say okay he's got to be in you know Pittsburgh PA on such and such a date we're shooting and then nobody hears anything at all <laughs> and um, on that day I was there on that day. And Bill, at right at nine on the dot, you know, everybody's already on set and, you know, getting everything ready and everything like that. Bill gets driven up in a golf cart, golf cart and he's got, like, a cooler full of beer. <laughs> beer. <laughs> Beer's in his uh, cooler. <laughs> go, let's go. And uh, so, we, ha- you know, that's when he showed up. And, and um, yeah, so... Is it scary? Yeah, that's terrible. Is it also true that the number you call to get a hold of them is like a one eight hundred number? Yeah, it is a one eight hundred number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. That's a true fact. And by the way, but you know, uh, flashing forward, so we I made a film called Green Book, and it was Bill Murray at the Golden Globes who announced the best picture. Oh wow! And. Uh, he opens the envelope, he goes, Green Book. We all go up on stage, and I, I, as we're walking off stage, I said, Bill, I don't know if you remember me, it's Jim Burke, uh, we made Kingpin together. He goes, oh yeah, Kingpin, what a good movie, but this one right here, Green Book, he's talking about, that's a great movie. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, which was cool, and then he was with us the whole night long, you know. Oh, he hung out. Partying, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. he's, uh, I imagine that he's a fun guy at the party. Massively yeah. fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's kind of, maybe, I don't want to say anything bad about Bill because he's a great guy, but th- there are certain people I know that are really fun, but they're not, until they're not fun anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 
He's one so that stays fun. Uh, he he stays fun, and um, and but sometimes you've got to eject yourself from the fun yeah. if you want to do anything the rest of that week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's great. Yeah, uh, that's so funny anyway, how it comes full circle. So like that. yeah, so I, I I met Alexander and Jim, who are still dear dear friends, and Jim Taylor is probably the funniest guy I've ever met. And yeah. also the smartest guy I've ever met. So, um, but his approach to humor is so original that sometimes he, he says something really funny and you have to almost wait a beat until you realize, oh my God, that's funny. Wait, no, it's not funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those configurations. Yeah, yeah. Things. It's just like, wow, I wish I was smarter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we then, after, you know, short time after uh, election, we decided, look, we're all, you know, I'm from the Midwest, uh, Alexander's from Omaha, Jim's from Bellevue, Washington, but he behaves as though he were a Midwesterner. And, yeah. and we all said, look, there's very few people that are from the same part of the country that we're from in, that's in the business. So let's separate everybody out there. And then that has the same film aesthetic that we have. Mm -hmm. So that leaves us to just the three of us. And so we decided, and I'm a producer, Jim's a writer, and Alexander's a director, writer-director, and both of them are. So we all had our roles, and we started a company, and um, we were lucky enough to have Fox Searchlight bankroll us, and they said, we want you to make the kind of movies that you know you want to make. So we set about doing that. And the problem is it's hard to decide what kind of movies you want to make. Excuse the interruption, folks. Just want to shout out the amazing people who help make the Cripes cast possible. First of all, Jolly Good Soda. Summer is almost over i don't even want to say it but it, it, we're in the that you hear the cicadas ladies and gentlemen and so you know we're in the dog days of summer so stay cool this summer by drinking a jolly good soda variety of flavors for a variety of occasions root beer for a root beer float blue raspberry to make your tongue blue and of course the sour power for your brandy old-fashioned check them out jolly good soda Com. And I'd also like to thank Duluth Trading Company, an amazing Midwest brand for all your Midwest fun during the summer, fall, and beyond. Like, Colleen, you're going camping? I'm going camping next week. Going and? to Idaho. And I'm just going to bring all the Duluth stuff that I've stolen from, <laughs> from here. <laughs> yeah. Duluth sends us these amazing boxes of, of great clothes. And I'm like, where the, Where did all this go? <laughs> and then I see... I wasn't planning on telling you until after. Kind of like I ask for forgiveness rather than permission type You thing. know what you should take? You should take one of those big uh, quick drying uh, shirts they got there. Yeah. Because um, I fly fish with them and you can just get or fish with them and you, you act get... like they're not already at my apartment oh gosh <laughs> they're great they're dry quick they yeah. um they keep the sun off you they're, they're awesome so yeah. if you want to check out duluth trading stuff go to duluthtrading.com and of course uh best way to support this podcast uh aside for uh signing up for the patreon is you can go to cripescast.com click on the merch section and then we've got uh just a lot of stuff there for you know back to school or whatever you need koozies for school kids <laughs> talking about the college kids over 21 of course <laughs> legally speaking 
Uh, Packers season's coming up. We got the Go Packers F the Bears merch. That stuff you can only exclusively get on mantwalkmint.com. And by the way, there are a bunch of knockoff places, uh, you know, that steal our designs and sell our stuff. But that stuff, I guarantee you, is not made in the USA, which we do to, uh, you know, support U.S. workers and also lower carbon footprint uh, on the shipping. We're not shipping overseas and uh, just doing what we can. So... Mm-hmm. Check it out. Mantalkminute.com, Cravescast.com. That's how you know it's ours. Yep. Click on the merch section. Alrighty. Let's get back to the podcast. It, taking back just half a step. So you get a bunch of talented people together that have their own accolades or whatever. And then you pitch yourself as sort of a production company to various. Well, it really was just, or? it wasn't even that. It was like you guys are what we want. Got it. So they sort of dangled it and we said, yes, I'm a salesman, Charlie, but I didn't really sell anything there. Yeah. Do you think, um, when you get to that point in the career where like you don't have to call them, they call you, is that kind of where you were at at this point? Well, it was because we were the sort of new wave of, uh, and we were also, we we were somewhat specific. We were American filmmakers, but more specifically, Midwestern American filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now there's kind of the there, there's truthfully we you know we only made American films, mm-hmm. and um, but we made them in a sort of European style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that it it was quite unique yeah that we that we viewed the world of film like that and we needed to connect with other people who were you know what we were which was cinephiles and like really deeply steeped in cinema history and film and we knew what we were talking about we could reference this that or the other thing and so in searchlight was were those people yeah they were the they was they were the studio there was searchlight focus and then in the old days, Miramax that, you know, released those award style films. Right. So, right. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, um, so you, you guys start this, that's ad hominem. That's the name of that production mm-hmm, company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we did that for, I think 12 years mm-hmm. and, um, made some good movies of which you were a part of one big part of one. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a huge part. The Crapids. Yeah. yeah you're an enormous part. You yeah. Know? I mean, um, truthfully, I'm not sure that movie could have happened without you. You know, <laughs> and I thank you. And I yeah. was, I'm a method actor. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, the, yeah. uh, I, I was the pool boy. Yes. But I, there's a rumor and a lot of people tell me you were the ass man. The and, ass man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's address this yeah. situation. <laughs> I want to tell you my perspective. So I'm, yeah. I'm a PA on right. Cedar Rapids, right? Uh, not very good at my job. You're excellent at your job. I was okay. No, you were excellent. I was the walkie PA. You, you know why you were excellent? Because everybody liked you. They did like me. Yeah, yeah. For my personality more than my... Um, could be. It could be. Could be. But you need that. You do need that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what got me through. I, yeah. I was forming my craft of BS. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the, the day comes, and I've been waiting for this day. I was waiting for my... Uh, extra role. Yeah. I wasn't sure what it was going to be yet. Featured extra. Featured extra. Yeah, yeah. And then I forget if it was you or Brian. It wasn't me. Okay. Brian, I think, or maybe 
Richard Richard Fox, Fox the R Fox, approached yeah. me and said, "Hey, we got this scene in the locker room." It was Richard because he deals with the extras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He de- uh, that's below your pay. Grade. No, but that's below. what he does. It's part of his job. It's part it's of his job AD. is AD yeah, yeah. deals with the extras. Yeah. So he said, uh, "Hey, we've got this locker room scene. We need a a bare ass." You yeah. know, and I'd been doing squats, so yeah. I was prepared for this moment. <laughs> and uh, but I was also I was savvy, and I was like, okay, <laughs> do I get a a pay bump? Like, what's yeah. the rate? Because I know how this works. A little something for the effort. A little yeah. something. And yeah. I think I made some th- some sort of a a thing uh, out of that. Yeah. And he took it back to the team. They did not circle back with me. I think because I was asking for a little bit too much change. Yeah. yeah you know to to be showing the ass yeah and um from that day on i i think it was because i said i was uh i had done some modeling i was a shopco model in my college days Are you this aware of i shopco? did not know is that like a uh like a shop vacuum cleaner or something no no or? no, no, no. Oh. it's it's like it was kohl's uh-huh. but way worse in Wisconsin. It's out of business now. It, I would. It's I, like actually, a department store? It's, it's a department store. Yeah. There's still some of them. I passed yeah, one yeah. the other day. It's yeah. uh, vacant. Amazon's about to buy it probably to be a, you know, that or yeah, a, a yeah. fulfillment center or a spin class. <laughs> Regardless, um, I was throwing a, 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 you know, I made it seem like I was model. Yeah. And so then they call me an ass model. And then yeah. that eventually turned into the ass man. So yeah. for the rest of, you know, that. And, for the rest of time. The rest of fact, time. You know, I, I, we go golfing every year. And that's a big where group it really of took off. Where you're known as the ass man, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, yeah, maybe the, actually that's where ass man came from. It definitely did. Because uh, I remember there was an episode of Seinfeld where Kramer got a license plate that said ass man yes. from. It was meant for a proctologist, and I sent that little clip around. That was, so you're, you are the reason. <laughs> yes, this, this is this whole yeah. interview is now worth it. I've now found yeah, the yeah. origin of people calling me ass man. And no, it's no, you. no, it was only after they called you the ass man. Oh, okay, that. it was yeah, after. Yeah. Okay, well, regardless, uh, I I was not the ass in Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Yeah, I, the audience is loving the fact that we've spent, you know, five <laughs> minutes now talking about it. You, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, it's your it podcast, is. It man. Is. I know. <laughs> we can talk about my ass yeah. all we want. I, I was not, um, ended up not being the bare ass in that, but I did learn a lot about the process, you know, and I thought that was a great experience. And of that's, filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. of yeah. filmmaking yeah, and yeah. of all that goes into it and everything. And this is before we, any of us knew that, that you would become who you are now. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would, that even, would, in fact, when I say any of us, I would say even you didn't know No, that. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, my my thing fairly, yeah. I, I wouldn't have known I was going to do my thing you know, yeah. even now I'm still confused by yeah, it, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, Cedar Rapids, now Cedar Rapids is one of those films that I love. Me too. And and it's, it's not something that everybody loves. Some people don't get it, you know, and... and I, I think there's two groups of people. People yeah. have seen Cedar Rapids and love it, and mm-hmm. people who've never seen it. I I do you what, think there's a third group of people who've seen it and they think I, it sucks? I no I I yeah. think there are some because it's that it's such a funny on the nose too close to home or not on the nose but it, it, it yeah it's so yeah. It, 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 it's almost it's something that honestly I deal with sometimes when I make something that's 
too true. Yeah. It's almost uncomfortable yeah. sometimes watching it. It's like when I saw Fargo and I told my brothers and sisters, I saw the greatest movie, <laughs> Fargo, and then they see it a little while, while later. It goes, that movie stunk, you know? <laughs> we don't talk like that as she's talking like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. but that, that, that's, that is why I love Cedar Rapids. Cause it's, yeah. it's, and it, for those who haven't seen it, it insurance salesman, from Wisconsin goes to the big city of Cedar Rapids. For never the big, been on an airplane. Never yeah, been on an yeah, airplane. Yeah. And that whole uh, scene shot at, what, it was shot at the Rhinelander Airport, was it not? Which one? Uh, in Cedar Rapids. was It It said Rhinelander, so maybe you, because yeah. he flew out of Rhinelander, did he not? Yeah. I mean, if, if it's, is Rhinelander the was, city in Wisconsin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that was probably, you know, second unit stuff yeah, yeah, that yeah. we went out and got. Yeah, and, yeah. But, but, um, or we pretended it was Rhinelander. We shot it in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Got it. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, but but that idea of walking into an, an airport and knowing the TSA yeah, guy. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Having, that's right. Having, it, it went to high school or something it, together. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, walking into a hotel and, and being like, oh, this place has a pool. Mm-hmm. You know? like, it smells this. like chlorine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many of those nuances. Yeah, but I yeah. feel like it's sort of a microcosm for... Um, a lot of your films, which which embrace that, I don't know. Uh, would it be um, off to call it like almost an Americana? Yeah, uh, like it, it, it's authentic, mm-hmm. um, definitely authentic. But and the characters are treated with love. You know, we're not making fun of these people whatsoever. It's just exploring the people that you know, whether it's in Cedar Rapids or you know many other films even election um where um the, the people it's a sort of low stakes movie mm-hmm. which people take it the people in the movie are it's very high stakes yeah, yeah. small thing <laughs> yeah, made big. Yeah, yeah yeah i mean yeah. you do that uh, same on stage when you're crafting jokes sometimes That's you know right. the, but but yeah. those are so much fun yeah. because it, yeah. it it allows you to play with uh real emotions and put them on something that exactly isn't, uh, it doesn't really matter it, yeah. but but, <laughs> but the, there's something so relatable about that i yeah, love the, that in, that in cedar rapids they're all competing for the coveted two diamond award you know <laughs> <laughs> and i in fact have a two diamond award oh do you uh, that's it's right up there it's year. right up there oh, yeah that's yeah, awesome. yeah yeah Above it's a coveted, the oscar which is it's great above it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, that's fantastic I so, gotta take a picture with that and, yeah. and the Oscar, but you yeah, know, I specifically want just that two diamond right there. Like, yeah, I'll send that over to Phil. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great. So, so yeah, that's where we met. On that was one of the ad hominem movies and and a movie. And we're in Hawaii right now. We haven't yes. announced that that we are in the Aloha State in the city of Honolulu, and, which uh, you fell in love with after cedar rapids right? i always did love it but yeah. but but i i went right from cedar rapids to honolulu to film another film called the descendants and in doing so i lived here i didn't just vacation here i lived here and i realized that i love this place because in so many ways it reminds me of the midwest mm-hmm. except for you know a lot of ways that are obvious which is a tropical island in the middle of the pacific but the way the people are and the way the people are proud of where they're from and and um how kind they are and gentle and so 
it felt like home to me. Yeah. With warmer weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's a key. Yeah. Very, very key. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. key. Yeah. And, and in, in, did you expect, uh, to, to do that? Cause you now live here full time. I do. Yeah. And, uh, did, did you expect that when you first moved here to, I mean, take to it like this? Um, Oh, when I first, so when I first came to film The Descendants, I knew there was something about it, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And then as I met the people who live here and I learned about the history and the culture, I mean, everything was great to me. Mm -hmm. So, and I felt so at home here. And, um... Yeah, so then I said to I probably said to myself, you know, one day this is where I'm going to land. And um probably about 5 years later I bought what what is a vacation home here. And um and then when COVID hit, I sold my place in LA and just moved here full time with yeah, to yeah. live, yeah. And and we'll get um you know to sort of your plans after filmmaking in a second. Yeah. But this is this is it for you. This is where you wanna yeah continue doing it. This is home. It's great. Yeah, it I is mean, great. It is great. You Three know. minutes from your house, you've got the thing that I walked today, which yeah. was just amazing. If yeah yeah and open, and you can every day you can have a whole new pretty crazy adventure and during covid especially where everybody's sort of cooped up and things like that and we took covid very seriously in hawaii but the good news is you could spend so much time outside and um and you didn't feel like you were cooped up and you know binging one netflix show after another although i did do that but (laughs) you could just get out into the natural world which is a wonderful thing to do yeah Yeah. no it's an incredible for your mental health yeah yeah so yeah so anyway did all that crap at 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 home and then um we were preparing made not crap but good movies like cedar rapids and the descendants and the savages and things like that and then um we were preparing another movie called downsizing and out of the blue uh, an old friend of mine called me and said, you know, I've been made chief executive of Focus Features, which is one of the big three of specialized films. And he goes, I'm looking for a guy like Jim Burke, which is me, um, to be the head of production. And um, he called you and said that? Yeah, he said that. He said, I want someone like you. He said, I want somebody like Jim Burke. And um, so I took him at face value. Who's like me? And we had breakfast, and I said, look, I've been thinking, thinking, thinking about who is me? And, you know, who is the version of me that could do that job? And there isn't anybody like me, you know? I, I, I care a lot about things that a lot of people don't care about, and I don't care at all about things that other people care a lot about. Mm-hmm. So, but really all I'm trying to do is make good films and who else is like that? And I've found people that were kind of like that, but their, ver- you know, their version of a good film is, was different than mine. And, and, you know, they make good films, but they're, they weren't, you know, I wouldn't have made tr- frankly any of them and they may say the same thing about me. So, um, but I late, but then he, you know, 
then he came out with it and he goes, look, why don't you do it? And, um, and I realized that is, uh, he told me later, that's an executive recruiting technique. I'm not in corporate America, so I didn't know that. (laughs) 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 You ask somebody who, you know, who would it be that's like you that would take this job? And I never uh, uh, thought I would be like a studio mogul or something like that. And, and, um, but I have to say that it, it, it was a, a great company focus and it was an attractive off, you know, uh, it, was an, uh, it was a way for me to express myself across multiple films that were all trying to do the same thing. When I was back at Reicher, the first company, I was just, I didn't know anything about film. I was making movies for audiences that weren't me. This place, I could try to make movies that were for more audiences that were like me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did it. I said, yes. And I said, you know, I talked to my partners and I said, this is, you know, an opportunity that's come my way. And they go, great, we can have a guy on the inside and da, 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 da. And I did it. And, um, but, and, and, and I really learned a lot, but I found myself missing the sort of, I felt found myself being like a brother-in-law to the movies instead of the father of them, mm-hmm. and um, and I miss being as close to knowing every little decision that goes into making a movie. Even if I didn't win every battle, I knew I was at the table of every decision. And um, so after I developed a film there, and um, I felt like, look, I got to go and make this movie myself. Um, and, um, or I got to go, I got to leave this job and go make this film. And that was a film called Green Book. And yeah. I completely believed in it. And, and other people at the studio were more, they questioned it more, its yeah. ability to succeed. So, but I, I just knew, and I knew Pete Farrelly's a great director, and, and I believed in him, even though he had done exclusively comedies, mm. and this was not a comedy. But I know him as a human being, and I know him as an author. He's written uh, several books that were more tonally complicated. And I, uh, so I said, look, you can find somebody better than me at Focus, and I really want to go make this movie, so will you let me do that Mm -hmm. and they did you know i had to make a first look deal with them but i did and i went off and made green book and um made that film and um you know it was you know without bragging or anything it was a success in every single way you can imagine a film being successful it Mm -hmm. was successful at the box office so it wasn't one of these little art house movies that wins best picture it was a big success worldwide, and it won 13 festivals and the Golden Globe and the Oscar mm-hmm. and the Producers Guild. And every, every award, we swept them up. And yeah. so um, it was the best movie of the year. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the, all I ever wanted, to make the best film of the year. Yeah, that was the goal. When did Long you set that goal? Long time before. Yeah, I, I said, I would like to, be, to say that I have made the best movie in a particular year. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, and, and Green Book, initially you've got, you know, all the praise coming out of TIFF and all that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. And then you get to the award season and then it becomes 
you know, a big a battle becomes a think piece. You have uh, people like Spike Lee. He didn't like it. You had Kareem Abdul. He never saw it, though, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Kareem Abdul Jabbar liked it. Yeah. He wrote a whole thing in The Hollywood Reporter, and everyone's, it it became a thing everyone gave their think piece on. Yeah. And so um, coming off of that and going through that whole battle, like with the uh, couple years between it now. Yeah. Do you think there's, uh, like, if you had to go back and do anything different? would you have uh with respect to any of the criticism that you received yeah. from i mean it? i think that we handled the criticism well we took it you know we didn't fight back or anything like yeah. that we, the the biggest criticism was that uh people were saying it was a white savior movie which it is clearly not and for people who don't know what like a white savior movie yeah. is what what white what savior mo- perfect example of a white savior movie is a, a movie with sandra bullock years ago called the blind side where she's a rich suburban uh mom and she takes in this left tackle from an underprivileged home and gives him all the things she need he needs plus tutoring and stuff like that so he can continue with his football career mm-hmm. so it's the white people coming into uh in this case the african-american community and helping that person become uh successful mm-hmm. that's not green book green book was the 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 black penis uh, Don Shirley was already successful. The white guy was really not. He was a street guy, and um, and in fact, the the thing that really got me, Charlie, when I first heard the pitch about this movie was about the letters. This is all true story. The letters that the character Tony Lip would write back to his wife from their road trip along the way on their tour through the South. And Tony Lip graduated from like sixth grade, did not have a big vocabulary, and was a very poor writer. And um, as the trip went along, his letters got better and better and better, and he was able to more express himself and his feelings through his letter. And that was all due to the coaching and influence of the black character, Don Shirley. Mm-hmm. So did, did, in fact, in... I would maybe argue that it was the reverse of a white savior movie, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, but it was both, they both helped each other and see the world. And, and this guy who was probably a racist, I don't know, but he saw what it was like for a black person, you know, uh, pre the civil rights act to deal with all the indignities that he had to deal with. And he saw it, you know, from a front row seat and he didn't like it. Yeah. 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 And it opened his eyes. And I think uh, Kareem said this in his, uh, his deal of it being kind of more of a buddy comedy on that yeah. element where you have the two people helping each other. They were. As, as kind of the. Yeah. It was equal, I mm-hmm. would say. But. Nevertheless, let me, if you want me to talk about the whole sort of, there's a, the Oscar nowadays has become so coveted that it's hand-to-hand combat and people will do, you know, all kinds of research and come up with, especially if you're a movie that looks like it's going to win. If you look like you're going to, if nobody thinks you're going to win, nobody attacks you. Mm -hmm. If people think you're going to win, 
everybody attacks you. Mm-hmm. Well, and taking like all the stuff that people were throwing out there, especially at that time with America and the place it was, Trump in office and all that, and that's sort of the backdrop for a lot yeah. of it. Do you think with respect to Hollywood and diversity that it's on, like if someone were to make a film today on sort of a, a subject, similar subject matter, yeah. Uh, do you think there are recommendations that that you would give based off of? Do you do you think it's like a diversity in executive? Yeah. Branch so or something, I'll, I'll or? tell you this. I'll tell you this. We were tuned into that before we even started making the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, uh, two of our executive producers, were African American. Yeah. Uh, a l- large ish as as many people as we could find were african-american on the cast in the crew because in pete the director said look i i know what i know yeah and if i'm getting any of this wrong everybody has the right to come up and say to me no 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 that's not how it you know i see it or that's not how the way you know it should be seen and um so as a group of people who made a film some white some black yeah. We all feel the same way about it. We're proud of it. Yeah. And, th- and there's no reason we shouldn't be proud of it. Yeah. Um, it just became a, a sort of situation where, you know, we're in the shadow of Oscar So White and all of these kind of political things that were going on in the the business, but also in the Oscar campaign that colored it and um but i will tell you that you can watch you can put this movie in in 20 years and you'll still like it you mm-hmm. know it's still a quality movie i mean it, the pacing there's just so many things about it that as a filmmaker yeah it's very rare that everything almost goes perfectly right and this is an example of that you've been in this business for a long time and you've seen sort of the changing face of hollywood Mm -hmm. and 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 you've seen issues from harvey weinstein and the oscars so white thing yeah and do you see it as as like overall going in sort of the a right a positive direction Uh, with respect to all that so yes you know but i'll just say this this way i believe in i believe in complete and total equal opportunity complete and total equal opportunity I do not believe in complete and total equal equal outcome. Uh, so if everybody's got the same chance, we're all at the starting gate at the right time. Whoever wins, wins. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, as long as everybody has a, an equal shot at it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. At the you know same time you're doing um, all of this, you've got, you've got other projects coming up. Yeah. And what while you win the oscar right yeah so are you thinking at that point you're like i'm i'm kind of this is what i wanted out of this industry i'm i'm on my way out of this industry or are you thinking at that point of i'm still doing more films i was slowly thinking about that it didn't occur to me like immediately but it was my only goal in my career i had one goal in my career that was to win the Oscar. Yeah. And the way I win the Oscar as a movie producer is maybe the hardest way you can win it because I have to make the best movie. 
Yeah. I can't be good and I can't have a great performance in a movie that wasn't so good. I can't, you know. Yeah. I got to make the best movie of the year. So I did it and I was stunned that it happened. It was a shocker. I mean, I kind of believed I could, but then I didn't believe it too. And um, so it happened, right? And then I tried to get back to business as usual. And what's the next one? Let's go, let's go. But I, something inside me lost my passion or fire because you know i don't know i don't know what if do people climb mount everest twice i don't know maybe they do but i wouldn't if i did it i did it you know and uh now there's there's so much more in the world that i would like to try to do that um once i've done the thing that i've been dedicated to doing now I can move on to other things that interest me. I mean, it, you know, the, the thing that, you know, if I, if I can say, the thing that makes me a great producer, if I can call myself great, is that I'm a curious motherfucker. Yeah. You know, and I really want to know about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's not all contained in a frame of a camera. It, it's contained in a lot of different places. And I want to meet people and I want to hear about what they're doing, and I want to help them if I can. And uh, yeah, so my curiosity about film, just like my curiosity about TV syndication, is sort of like I'm at the bottom. I mean, there's just fumes left. And, yeah. Um, so so <laughs> is this is this a similar time? Two, when you were w- with that, you were about to bail out of syndication. Yeah. Because it was, so this is what yeah. that feels like. Yeah. And when I was about to bail out of syndication, everybody thought I was crazy. And when I'm bailing out of film, everybody thinks I'm crazy. But I'm not crazy. I'm who I am. And mm-hmm. this is the way I am. And um, so that's just me. I do want to, before I get to like your next like chapter this whole time you've been a dad as well yes in what what is that like being uh, a father while you're going up the the rungs of or the ladder rungs yeah. of hollywood what yeah. what is what's that experience well, like she's a great daughter amazing daughter um and a celebrity in her own right madeline burke and she has been there all along you know and i was trying to not raise a showbiz kid and you know entitled and things like that but i did expose her to things you know like i said i made an olsen twin movie and she just loved the olsen twins and and uh so she got to be an extra on the set and and, i mean it's a it's a moment or a time in her life that you'll never ever forget because she just i mean they're yeah, the Olsen twins are bigger than Tom Cruise or to her, you know. Yeah. So, um, but I always said, uh, you know, I'm going to help you by being your advisor and conciliary, but I'm not going to pick up the phone and call so and so and say, hire my daughter. Right. And you need to do that yourself because you need to know you did it yourself. Yeah, and in in knowing you did it yourself, it instills confidence in you, and um, and she has been tremendously successful because she did it herself, 
you know, mm-hmm. that's it. You know, she's uh, uh, a winner with a capital W. And um, and she is, you know, a, sort of a self-made person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in all that, did, did you have a hard time balancing being a dad and doing like a very demanding job? Or what, what, is it the kind of thing where you uh you you find the time you make that the the deal how does that work out yeah let's put it this way being a dad is is a really tough job yeah start let's start there yeah in fact the reason i made the descendants was not because it was in hawaii or not because of all this but there's a line in the book that i read where george clooney is suddenly responsible for taking care of his two daughters all by himself Mm -hmm. wife's in a coma and he goes i just don't want to fuck this up Mm. and he became dedicated to not screwing it up and i was i became more like i'm dedicated to not screwing it up i i can't be there's no you know quality of outcome here but i want to make sure that she has every opportunity to have a good dad and that's got to be me yeah 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 and um so i had to actually truthfully Troy, i had to learn about how to be a dad and it's you just you know many people just go into it and they're going to do what my dad did and, and you know a lot of times that's right but not all the times and i had a great dad but uh, times change, people change, and I had to make adjustments uh, on the fly, and I'm still making them. You yeah. know, she, my, you know, one of my superpowers is as a movie producer is I'm an expert problem solver. I'm an expert. I, you know, you throw anything on me, and well, uh, let's figure this out. Let's deconstruct it. She, on the other hand, doesn't like my reflexive problem solving. She just wants to uh. tell me what's happening. And I understand it. And that, and so I need to, even to this day, I need to train myself to ask, are you open for a solution to this or should I just listen? And so sometimes she gives me the green light and sometimes it's the red light. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. 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 Um, and I guess that brings us now to uh, to what you're doing now. You have one more film yep, left to make. It's in the can. It's not quite finished. It's called Dreamin' Wild. It stars Casey Affleck, uh, Zoe Deschanel, Walton Goggins, Bo Bridges, and um, directed and written by an, a longtime friend of mine, a guy named Bill Polat, a fellow Minnesotan. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so that ought to be finished in the next month. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's good. Yeah. 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 And, but after that, you, this is not the, that's uh, it. It's not the Elton John. We've done the, uh, the farewell tour. He's coming back again. No, there's nothing. So then no. what, what are you hoping to do now? Well, first I'll say that I wrote a letter of resignation to myself resigning from the job of producer and i included in there all the things i'm grateful for all the things that the profession has given me and then why i want to step away yeah and um so i did that and now i am uh moving on and i think i told you i saw an interview once with bill murray 
when the interviewer said, Bill, what, what, what's up next for you? And he goes, I don't know. But I, my mantra is to be available and aware. And that's mine too. And I'm so stealing it, it from him. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of living in the moment. I want to be, you know, availability is a very attractive quality, right? Yeah. And especially in our business, but even not in our business. So if you're available, that's attractive. But if you're aware of what the opportunities are out there, and and there are many, but I do know that I would like to be um, in a m- most general way of service to people, um, especially here in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. And and what what's kind of the you know you've been here ten years or so now is it off and on but I lived here permanently for two years yeah yeah Yeah. and how how, do you know yet how you see yourself doing that or or is it like a listening it's coming to me yeah (laughs) yeah yeah more will be revealed yeah yeah that's awesome man but I can't be impatient with it I need to let it come and um. I need to be um, at peace with the uncertainty, which I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, I'm not putting any pressure on myself. Something will come. I mean, I, I know who I am and I know that, you know, I've always figured, figured it out. Yeah. 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 With uh, the retrospect of your career, uh, what advice do you have uh, to people just beginning theirs? So just beginning there is is to discover who they are, which is a lifelong task, and then doing your best to express that through film, if you're going into the film business, and um, or whatever way. And um, do your best to tune out the detractors, the people who say, you should get a real job or, you know, why don't you go work for Uncle Lenny down at, you know, State Farm or something, you know. If that's not what you want to do, don't do it. Don't settle for that. Try to uh, do what you're passionate about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I would say. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. And I will say, you know, from my perspective, you know, you've helped me very much along the way. Oh, it, Give me that initial bump. And then you've always been a great mentor reaching out and you're always, you've, you got a lot of Are good people insight. expecting this to be funny? Cause it wasn't too funny. No, it wasn't yeah, funny I, at all. No, I know. I mean, no, most of these aren't, they're uh, not funny. Well, well, they, well they, one, they, one thing I do want to add at the very end here yeah, yeah, yeah. is that, uh, just because I'm on the Cripes cast. Yeah. Does not make me a Packer fan. In fact, quite you the opposite. What? Quite I the opposite. This was going to. I'm come. a Viking fan. Yeah, through just, and through. And I, um, you know, I'm not going to say anything negative about the Packers, but I'll I say could. A lot of negative <laughs> stuff could. about the Vikings. <laughs> so, what made yeah. you want to be a Vikings fan? Because I grew up loving the Minnesota Vikings. And what did you love about them? Because I'm trying to think of anything to love uh, i'll tell you what i'll tell you what and this is what happens when you're with a um sports franchise when they bring you right to the edge and yeah. don't take you across that finish line oh that in uh, that makes you even more passionate that someday before there's so many people that go before I die, you got to win the Super Bowl, Vikes. 
please. And they've never won it. And the franchise has been around since 1960. So yeah. there's many of us who have lived our entire lives without ever seeing that, despite the fact that we could have. You could have. Times. Yeah, yeah, but we dropped the ball. <laughs> I remember this one time, actually, that um, the Vikings got, um, Brett Favre. Yeah, I do remember right. that. Yeah, of course I do. I was I was sitting in a hotel room at the Royal Hawaiian when he threw across this uh, across the cent into the center of the field and they got intercepted. By yeah, the Saints. And the we, Saints. Yeah, yeah. That's the game I remember the most as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, because there's I watched... many more like that, by the <laughs> way, you know, in the archives. Yeah. So so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drag you too much on that, but I I just I did want to say that that's my favorite. Uh, vikings game ever yeah um, i know i know yeah because you you got to get give it back to brett Favre, who abandoned you and then i still also, am hurt by that you are yeah yeah well just think about it this now this has since changed but the cubs never won a, a world series for for 100 years the yeah. red Sox. those are franchises that have passionate followings they do because they never actually won it and they weren't dogs either you know if we were uh, like jacksonville jaguars yeah you know? that's that's but a tough we've life. always you know you know not every year but lots of years we're in the mix mm -hmm. and sometimes we get way deep into the mix yeah you do yeah. um just not able to take it across the finish I know, line. But, I know. you know, uh, I don't need to keep harping on that. You don't. I think we know it more than you do. <laughs> yeah, you only remember one game. I remember them all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what's your uh, prediction for uh, Super Bowl winner of 2022-2023 20, uh, season? Minnesota Vikings. Okay, mine's the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> you want to put a bet on that right now? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Anything you want. Okay. I mean, what happens if neither one of us are right? Well, then it's it's a wash. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I'll bet so, you whatever you want. Um, I would like a permanent residence in your guest house. Yes. Good. Well, what do I get? Well, you have to make your deal. Huh. Uh, I'll come back to you with that. Okay. Uh, what do you got that I want? Touche. You know what you you. I got that you want um, the Packers. Last I checked, four Super Bowls. Yeah, we know. We've so, I've heard all this. You know, uh, uh, I want to keep her moving, fanny pack. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll leave that at your house yeah, while yeah. I leave. How's yeah. that sound? Yeah, sounds all good. All right. Well, thanks, yeah. man. This was a lot all of fun. Brother. All right. Yeah. Good to talk to you. Real good. Bye. And that's it for this week's episode of the Cripes Cast. Uh, big thanks to Jim Burke for coming on. Uh, great mentor to me over the years i was uh, excited that he was willing to do the podcast um and actually i'm i'm kind of bummed because uh i had to leave early um uh from his place but jim wanted to do some where he interviewed me uh and and i i'm hoping i can get back out there that would have been good that, tell all. although yeah he's he is uh i feel like he wouldn't let anything i feel no. like he would grill you real well yeah he it kind of scares me a little bit i was i was upset we couldn't do it because i would have loved to make that happen but we will at some point soon maybe that'll be another uh, reason to go to hawaii another reason absolutely. to go to hawaii yep absolutely you got it yeah uh colleen what do they need to remember to do don't forget to follow crepes cast on all platforms tiktok twitter Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of it at Cast. And obviously head over to patreon.com slash Charlie Barons to check out our new Patreon page. 
with all the exclusive content that your heart desires. All right. And thank you all for listening. Colleen, thank you for all the hard work on the podcast. Keep her moving and watch for deer. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye now. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin. The Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot into walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you got to keep her moving.